Hi, this is Matt Kempel, co-owner of Milwaukee's premier live comedy spot, The Laughing Tap, and founder of the Milwaukee Comedy Festival. I hope everyone is ready for a great show tonight. Make sure you have turned off your electronic devices and keep talking to others in your group to a minimum. With that, I'd like to bring on tonight's headliners, Jim Martin and Chris Beyer. It's season six of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. This is Chris Beyer, as always, with Jim Martin. Jim, uh, we went out this weekend, went to our friend uh, Matt Keppel's comedy club, yep. Laughing Tap. Laughing Tap, correct. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and beforehand, we went to uh, a, a restaurant. We had a party of eight. Sometimes when you check in, like a big party like that, it's a hassle. You got to wait a long time. We didn't, they had it all set up for us pretty quick. It wasn't bad. Yep. Yeah, you know, my brother, my older brother, one thing he used to do when he got to a restaurant, he would say, they'd say, take your name, right? Yep. And he'd say, oh, Springsteen, party of five. Okay, sure. <laughs> so when they called out the name, they go, Springsteen, party of five, everybody would start looking around. He got a kick out of that, right? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one other story about that. A couple months ago for Father's Day, we got together at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I got there a little early and I thought I'd check in. So I came up to the uh, the hostess, the host, and I said, is there a Bob party of 12? And he goes, no, no, no Bob party of 12. Did you try Springsteen then? Or? Yeah, I didn't try Springsteen. <laughs> Yeah. And then he looked without any irony. He said to me, he said, we do have a Robert party of 12. Robert. No, yeah. that's not it. And he yeah. had this quizzical look on his face. Like <laughs> it can't be that, but you know, I'm just checking just in case. Right. Right. On the yeah. off chance, it's the same one as yours. Right. I think we have talked about this because I think I told you my story, which was I was buying something somewhere and they said, okay, um, you know, what's your name? I said, Jim, whatever. Okay, great. So they said, all right, well, you know, here's $25, whatever. Here's the credit card. They look at the credit credit card and they look at it and they say, they look at me like, like I'm up to something. Right. right. And he goes, this is James. Like what's going on here? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Jim is short for James. Have you not really like, hmm, well, all right. And she got to tug it like, okay, I don't know if I'm buying it, but all right. Like, what, what, are you what are you talking eye. about? Yeah. yeah. Right. Like you've never heard this before. Okay. Yeah. Tonight for our podcast, we've got a party of four. We got me, you, your sons listening in, and we'll uh, find out why that is from you in just a second and our guest. Right. So uh, why don't you do the introductions here, Jim? Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, tonight we have a a gentleman uh, here who's out in L.A. doing some comedy work, and his name is Jeremy Bent. So first of all, welcome. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for coming to the show. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. Before I get into exactly why Jeremy's here or or how Jeremy's here, I wanted to tell Chris, Chris, I got a little, uh, and our listeners, kind of some news, a little surprise. Uh, today, our podcast was released on Amazon Music. So, so is this something you did or they informed you or how does that work? Well, you know, I pulled some strings. I got some people, you know, they sent <laughs> me a call to Bezos and yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They sent me. They sent me an email and said, "Hey, you know, if you want to register your podcast, here's a link to it, to do that." So okay. they actually said, "We found your podcast and we would like to invite you to Amazon Music." Now, I'm sure that probably only happens to probably the top ten or fifteen podcasts around. So yeah, I think sure. we should feel pretty honored. So it was I, I, weird I though because the-, the email said, "You know, James, your podcast yeah. is invited," and then right. I didn't know yeah. who they were talking to. Yeah, right? I had no I idea. Was yeah, what's going on here? So <laughs> yeah, you thought it was spam and you just deleted it. <laughs> right. I almost deleted it. Then I realized, wait a minute, hold on, my credit card says James. Maybe that's yeah. me. 
wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> so, so that's, so that's some news. So, all right, back to our guest, most important thing here. So my son Theo is here because he goes to Milwaukee Montessori school. And one day he said, Hey, we have a comedian here who has come in from LA and he's helping us do a bunch of funny stuff in class. And I said, you do really well. Maybe you can ask him if you'd be on our podcast. And I was half kidding, but really I was sending him on a mission. Go get this guy. Go get him. Go get him. <laughs> so he did. He asked him, hey, you know, would you like to be on my dad's podcast? And he said, sure. So after some back and forth and holidays, et cetera, et cetera, we finally connected. And here's Jeremy. So. And kudos to Theo, because not every middle schooler is willing to add talent booker, you know, to their resume that early. That's true. That's you know, true. That's- that's a sharp kid. That's a kid who's got it upstairs. That's right. And it might be a fork in his, in his uh, career right now, yeah, right? That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got the hookups already. So, um, so Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you were doing with Theo and his classmates? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2019, uh, Theo's English teacher, Mr. Riggs invited me to come. He's like, what if we did a comedy writing workshop? for a week, you know, and you come out and you'll teach the kids sort of like the basics of comedy writing. And we'll have some sort of assignment that they can work on throughout the week. So in 2019, I came out and we decided it would be, we'll have them write out like a character monologue, which is like a very common thing, you know, writing wise, you'll see a lot of pieces on like McSweeney's or the New Yorker that are sort of these character monologues, you know, delivered uh, via text, but also they can be performed as well, which is what we force children to do with them when we make them do it. And it went really well. And so they're like, great, we'd love to have you back in 2020. And I'm like, I'm in. It sounds so good. And then 2020 came and that did not happen. <laughs> but thankfully, 2021 rolled around and we decided, okay, this is safe to do now. We're going to do this. And I came back and we added in sixth graders who were you know, I'm going to say they were actually a little bit better at it than the eighth graders because they were not self-conscious when they performed. They were very, very into it. And it really made a lot of our pieces work a lot better. <laughs> so when I came back this year, this was the first year that I had kids who I had had the previous year, you know, like I had sixth and seventh graders who are now seventh and eighth graders who had, who had been with me the previous year. And so Ben thought, Mr. Riggs, I call him Ben because I'm an adult. Um, Ben thought it would be nice if, you know, the kids who have already done the monologue could do something new. So they're not doing the exact same thing they did last year. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And we landed on uh, another like very common early like sketch comedy assignment. I I should mention (laughs) I teach or I taught. Uh, improvisation at the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York, which if you don't know a lot about improv schools, it was kind of the biggest one in New York until the pandemic hit, and supposedly it's coming back, and who knows. But I don't live in New York anymore, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But a commercial parody is like a very, very common early sketch assignment because it's like we all live in America. We all know the language of advertising. Yep. So the assignment becomes like, okay, well, what product is it? It's like, how are we going to like twist your expectations to make this commercial kind of silly? And uh, I got to say that went really well. There were some really, really, really funny commercial parodies. And I'm not, uh, not to toot Theo's horn, 
but yeah. he wrote a particularly good commercial parody called the McWorld Burger, which was <laughs> McDonald's new burger that has tastes from all over the world. It's got haggis. It's got wet ramen noodles from Japan. It's got, you know, Ooh. it's all these great tastes on the McWorld Burger. And it <laughs> just sounded more and more disgusting. It was perfect. It was great. Perfect. You're helping kids get their start in comedy. What about you? How did you get your start in comedy? Uh, we did not have a comedian come to our school and teach us comedy. Uh, that would have been great. I would have been yeah. all over that. I really lucked out at my high school. We got like a real drama teacher. And like drama was a class you could take as opposed to just something after school. You came at it from the drama angle initially. Yeah. Although comedy was really always my interest. I was like obsessed with comedy. I did. And then when I went to college, I was in a sketch group in college. And that was probably the, the thing that did it the most. Because okay. I, was, I was in a group, we would get together twice a week and write sketches. By the end of college, I had written something, or at least co-wrote like 200 sketches or something oh, wow. like that. Obviously good training. Yeah. What was the first time that you got a paycheck for comedy? Oh, boy, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> when was the first time I got paid for I, the, I'm sure I probably got paid for comedy before now. But the first time I really remember making a lot of money doing comedy was I auditioned for and got hired to be part of a, I was a host of a New York city bus tour, but it was like a, a fun bus tour with like, there was like people on the street who were part of the show. Originally, I think it was like a side project of blue man group. And then they were like, ah, we don't want to do this anymore. It was a lot of like crowd work of like, where are you from? Like what's going on? But then you had the sort of script of the show. And then also once you left, it's like, no one could tell you what to say. So you could really say whatever you wanted. And so you sort of started to build your own bits that you thought were funny or depending on there was a co-host, like another improviser on the bus. And so certain people you would work with, you would come up with bits with them. And that felt like this is amazing. (laughs) It's like, I get paid to do this. This is great. I think I think some comedians got a start in like Disneyland doing similar things like doing the Jungle Boat Cruise. And they kind of worked on their uh, improv skills that way, like you did on the bus. Tour. I know Steve Martin used to do like uh, he would do routines at like Knott's Berry Farm, where it's like I'm doing 16 shows a day for a bunch of tourists from the middle of nowhere. You learn how to make people laugh. <laughs> right, right, right. OK, hey, I want to just take a quick break. Theo's got to get get up to bed. But Theo, do you have anything to say about the, your experience with Mr. Bent at all or? Yeah, I did. Like when we went over all of the examples of different commercial parodies. <laughs> yeah, so I brought a bunch of commercial parodies to sort of show them what I was talking about. I sort of feel like Saturday Night Live is the undisputed king of the commercial parody. They've made so many really, really sharp commercial parodies over the years. From SNL, I showed them like Happy Fun Ball. I showed them like, oh man, Theo, do you remember what the other commercial parodies I showed you guys were? One was the Taco Town one. Oh, that's, yeah, that's like yeah. one from 10 years ago, Taco Town, where it's just like, it's the simplest possible comedic idea where it's like, you're a Taco Town. It's like, we just keep wrapping stuff around this taco until it becomes a, like a literal, like, you know, hardbound book of food. And it's like, <laughs> it's so insane. But it's also like a perfect sketch of like, just gets weirder and weirder, mm-hmm. like a commercial parody starts like a real ad like mm-hmm. the first 20 seconds or so should feel like that's a real commercial and then there's a moment where you're like oh that's a little weird and then we blow straight past that yep 
Well, Theo, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Theo, I have a question for you, if that's okay. Are you seventh grade or eighth grade? Eighth grade. All right. So I'm not going to see you next year. So let me say, I wish you best of luck in high school. I hope you keep doing comedy stuff there. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks, buddy. Bye. Good night. Good night, Theo. So we're talking about the, the bus tour. And what's what's the next step up from bus ride? Where do you go from there? <laughs> Hard to believe there's a step up from bus yeah. ride. But <laughs> right. um, I think after that, I got hired to, I submitted headlines to The Onion. And I got a headline in The Onion. And I was like, nice. this is incredible. Right. I had grown up like all through college and even high school. I was like, I was reading that all the time. I was obsessed with it. I'm going to throw out my Onion story. I worked for the the student newspaper in Madison. Uh, I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison. I had a column there, a weekly column, and I tried to be absurdist. You know, a lot of the columns at that point were kind of uh, slice of life things where people are saying, you know, my wacky relatives, my wacky uh, wacky, uh, uh, chemistry teacher, yeah, that type of thing. And I tried to be a little bit more absurdist with it. That was in the late place, late 80s, something like that. And, And so I... I kind of felt that when I saw the undercomer on like a year or two later, I thought, geez, I just missed my, my calling by just a year. Yeah, because all of a sudden, oh, within a year or two, there was this whole entire absurdist newspaper on campus, and that became The Onion. <laughs> uh, those Onion things that I see online you know, on YouTube, uh, those little video clips, uh, little Onion News and things like that, those yeah, things yeah. really hold up. And I mean, I'm on a political news parody show but there's so much parody of the news now that it's really hard, I think, to to be in that space. But I still think The Onion writes really funny headlines, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. and as a guy who used to freelance for them, it was like, the freelance gig was you just submitted headlines. You didn't submit an article. They're like, if we like the headline, we'll write the article. Right. Oh, cool. So you just sent, uh, at the time, it was like 25 headlines a week. And they had maybe like, I don't know, 40 or 50 people sending. And so like their writing meeting on a Monday was just like, here's all the headlines. (laughs) And it was just like, no, 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 no. That's not bad. No, no. Do you lay claim to any any headline I might remember? Oh, boy. Okay. The one, this wasn't my first one, but the one I think that I was like, this is my favorite one. I, cause you could also submit the like op-ed pieces, you know, where it's from a character. Right. And it was, um, it was an op-ed from an advertising executive. And the headline was just this once, let's stay up all night and do a bunch of Coke. And it was <laughs> very, uh, the, the, I didn't write it, but whoever wrote it got it completely. It was very funny. And it was like, Hey, I'm not saying we should make a regular thing out of this, but we work hard. We deserve to play. <laughs> And it's, it's great. It was very fun. Yeah. There's a million of those. Uh, the one I just thought of today because I was looking for this is I uh, like the point counterpoint one where they'd have the humidifier and the dehumidifier, right? <laughs> yeah. Or the uh, or the guy the the rap guy that says we need to get down. The other guys we, we need to get up. We need to get up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those were funny stuff. So I mean, you know, I, stuff. we're jumping ahead a little bit here. You work yeah. for we'll come back potentially, but you work for a parody news interest, huh? Yeah. So I work right now. I do voiceover and I've been doing for since 2020 uh, voiceover for this show called tuning out the news, which is now on, we used to be on Paramount plus now we're on comedy central, uh, which is another thing like teenage me would be like, wow. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, 
it's it, it feels somewhat surreal because that just happened this past season um and is is very exciting we're after the daily show on wednesdays oh wow um, cool yeah so we our show is very specifically a parody of like of panel news show panel cable news shows okay. and so our show has like four different shows within the show tuning out the news um i used to be on two different segments one's called inside the hill which is a parody of like msnbc morning joe uh and another one called hot take which is a parody of fox News's the five mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but now one of my characters got switched over to I'm on big news and big news is like the sort of headline news show. It's like the CNN style sort of show, but they're all completely insane. Hot take is like the most insane insane because it's parroting Fox news. So it's completely unhinged. Right. right. Um, And inside the Hill tended to be a lot of like, um, like, boy, I hope this doesn't uh, stop me from getting Perry area aboard my private yacht, you know? And like, (laughs) And CNN big news is a little more like, uh, you know, sort of straight up and down kind of politics stuff, which is very fun for me. And also the, the host of big news is our showrunner, a uh, very funny guy named RJ Freed, who wrote for Colbert for a long time and then created this show. And, uh, he loves to just like, riff and improv for a long time probably to our guests uh <laughs> distaste but we have a lot of fun on the show. That's, that's great so do you uh write for that too or do you just do the voiceovers i don't i just do the voiceover okay. and mm-hmm. and all praise to our writing uh crew because they are very very good mm-hmm. um it's great to show up and do the read through of the script and be like oh, all the funny stuff i would say is already in here and by and by voiceover you introduce the clips or you're uh... so, so we're acting as though we're a real news show. Like we're right. a real panel. Right. And I play chief Washington bureau chief, Jonathan Keene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I act as though I, I'm very informed about Washington and know lots of stuff, but my character is a, a major goofball. Okay. Um, and I will say, even though the show is scripted, especially big news has a lot of improv in it because we don't frequently have guests and like, we don't know what they're going to say. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and so if we see opportunities for fun stuff, we will riff with the guest. Some guests handle that better than others. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it, for a guy who came up mostly doing improv and sketch, like it's a very fun gig. I really especially since I booked it January, 2020, and we still actually managed to go in production in April, 2020. I feel very, very lucky to be part of the show. So it's not, um, it's not animated. It is animated. Oh, it is. Okay. That's that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. 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 Because when you say voiceover, otherwise you wouldn't call it a voiceover. Yeah. Right. 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 So they use um, Adobe character animator. Okay. So they're like, we record the show in zoom, just like this to be perfectly honest. And then they take the video of my face uh-huh. and then they import that into character animator okay. and they have a puppet that is the cartoon version of me that uses my facial animation. And then an- animators add like gestures and like the sort of movement of my body and stuff. Okay. Hmm. Wow. That's cool. So this, is, it, this is a stay at home job. It is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that might be part of the appeal to these production companies for cost savings, right? You don't have any studio time. 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, you got to run the virtual studio, which is not without its own issues. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't tell you, you know, we've doing, been doing this show for three years. It's like, I can't tell you how many guests where it's like they come on and then like you see them in Zoom and they're like, right. <laughs> <laughs> and their mic is like over here and they're like, yeah, I think it's going good. And you're like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> looking at the ceiling or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, Dr. Cornell West, you know, like a professor oh. from Harvard and a very eloquent guy, really smart guy. Yeah. But he, I mean, I assume he's a grandpa and his laptop was like this, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, where you're getting like, you get, like 20% of enough. his head. <laughs> and I'm like, we have to put that on television. <laughs> this past season we um we used to interview all different kinds a lot of like uh politicians obviously but also like journalists and you know people who are sort of relevant to like whatever the story of the day is yeah um but this season you know we're on comedy central i think they just wanted it to be a little bit more consistent in terms of the guests because there was like kind of a big swing in terms of like if a guest was a dud it was like yeah hard yeah. to make it work so now yeah. a lot of the times our guests on the show are like cbs washington correspondents because we're part okay. of cbs and it's like they're very good they know exactly yeah. what they're talking about and they yep. can like always deliver the like here's the 15 second like here's what the political situation is this is what i think biden's gonna do and we're like great well that sounds stupid you know or whatever yeah. they're gonna say back <laughs> sure. to that Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Well, so, so then you don't have to watch those crazy, stupid shows because you don't have to write for it. Right. You don't have to watch Fox news and all that I, stuff. You know, we still have to watch lots of clips because like we talk about them on the show. So sure. I sort of need with yeah. it, I, but I'm not sitting down to watch Fox news. Thank God. Yeah. I think I've always been a, a politically aware person, but I, I was even just writing for the onion where it was like trying to write topical headlines week after week after week that was bush era and it would like wore me out i can't imagine trying to do that in the trump era it would have a lot going on there yeah Yeah. right 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 so okay so you've done improv uh voiceovers you've done some a bunch of writing uh have you done any stand-up i did stand up for a little bit nothing more than just like you know friends shows in new york uh not something i put a ton of time into although i am a huge fan of the of the genre Sure, sure. So what's your favorite out of all the comedy stuff that you've been doing? What's what's the favorite thing you do? Maybe you don't have one. Maybe it's all great, but (laughs) (laughs) it's all great. Everything I do is terrific. (laughs) That's right. Um, I, well, I would say my favorite just wrapped up, uh, recently. So I have this like microphone arm here, not for tuning out the news where I wear the headset mic, but because I record a podcast, uh, called Mission to Zix, which is an improvised science fiction podcast. Nice. Um, it's sort of like, imagine like an improvised Futurama sort of, cause we're like a crew and every week we go to a different planet and, you know, we have some sort of mission and frequently it goes wrong. Um, that I created with a bunch of friends of mine from UCB Oh, nice! and that we, I mean, God, we started making that in 2016 and okay. we just released the finale last fall and we made a wow. hundred episodes and I, I know in podcasting terms, a hundred episodes does not imply that much work, (laughs) (laughs) but our show is like, it has a cast of six plus the guest and every episode is fully sound designed. So like, wow. If you go check out mission to Zix, 
it they sound like you're listening to the movie. You just can't see the picture. Okay. Um, okay. And and because we, as we got more and more successful, we put a lot of money back into the show. So we hired a, a orchestra in Macedonia to record our symphonic theme. Wow. And so if, like from season three, uh, from seasons one and two, it's like MIDI strings. And then mm. season three onward, it is a full symphony orchestra. Nice. <laughs> um, That's amazing. And so that showed for me is like, it's, it's very close to personally what I find the most funny in comedy. And also it was like, I really put a lot of my own blood, sweat and tears into that. So sure. yeah, we're, we're literally next week. I am going to San Francisco to perform as part of San Francisco sketch fest as like one of our final shows with that group. Um, oh, Wow. Cool. How do you spell Zix? Z Y X X. We're not thinking about how easy that would be to Google. That was a mistake on our part. (laughs) (laughs) So you can make money in podcasting, huh? You can. Uh, If you're going to make money in podcasting, don't have a cast of six. It doesn't split. (laughs) uh, It doesn't break down very much, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, Chris has said many times in this show that it's not about the money for him. So we have that easy. It just all comes to me then. Yeah. Actually, it it is ironic that uh, we just did our first foray into science fiction uh, on our last episode, two episodes. Oh, really? We did a kind of a War of the Worlds parody. A lot of our, uh, like a lot of the individual episodes of our show are parodies of specific sci-fi tropes. Like we have one episode from season four called Torto Troopers, which is a very specific Power Rangers parody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my favorite part of that episode is like our characters sort of get tied up in this and we're like, wait a minute. So this robot turns into a bigger robot. Why don't we just start with the bigger robot to beat the smaller robot? And everyone who is part of that is like, Hey man, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, that's the excuse for why they never use the bigger robot first. It's like, sure. listen, if you don't get it, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. It just made me laugh so hard. Cause that was just the cho- a choice our guest made. Like that's how she explained it. And it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's funny. How closely knit is the comedy community out there in LA? Does everybody know each other? Or are they kind of independent contractors? I'll I, like, I'll, it's hard for me to say, cause I got here during COVID. So I don't know mm. the comedy community here as well as I would like. I will say it's very different from the New York comedy community because in the New York comedy community, it's, it's just so much smaller, not in terms of people, but in, in terms of physical space, like, mm you went to the same venues. And then after you went to those venues, you would go to the same bars. Whereas in Los Angeles, there's like a ton of different venues, but it's like, Oh, if it's up in Burbank, it's like, Oh, I'm not driving that far. Mm. Whereas in New York, it's like, everyone's coming into Manhattan. That's where most of the venues are. You just end up seeing the same people all the time. And so eventually you sort of do meet everyone. Uh, And in LA, it's like, you know, it's like, I've done some comedy shows here in LA, but, I there's still plenty of there's people here that I know from New York who I haven't seen in the two years that I've been here because it's just like some just doesn't line up. Sure. So it's a little different. I'm still getting used to it. If I was a younger guy, maybe I'd just be out every night. Good doing comedy stuff. And I would have met everyone by now, but right. I'm 40. It's not the same. (laughs) Yeah. Once you hit 40, tell you it's all over. all (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've talked about where you, where you came from and we talked about where you're at now. What's, uh, you got anything lined up for the future? Where's, what's the trajectory? So, you know, it's funny because I, I never thought podcasting would be quite as big a thing for me, partly because 
it's like, you know, before age 30, it didn't, it was not like a thing that you could do for a job. Yeah. Um, but now I spend a lot of time working on this podcast called nice to meet you, which is a comedy podcast, but more of like a family podcast, um, that I work with, uh, a group out of New Jersey called Gen Z media on it's called nice to meet you. And I play a mad scientist and I get two friends of mine who are improvisers and one of them will be an animal and one of them will be, you know, some sort of person with a job like an architect or a rock star or a whatever. And we just sort of have a conversation. The three of the, the loose sort of framing devices, the professor is trying to like find where their brains connect. He's trying to get them to like unify. And that just means we talk about, you know, the animal, we talk about the person and then usually we find something silly to do. And that's the show. The nice part about podcast for kid is kids is one episode, 15 minutes. Yep. So can cut that way down, make a lot of episodes. Um, it's much easier than my sci-fi podcast where we have like seven people on and the sure. episodes are like 45 minutes. The pro Tools session is much smaller is what I'm saying. Right, right, right. Yeah. Great. Do you see yourself doing podcasting projects, you know, going forward or, something more along the lines of what you're doing with the comedy central. Um, Well, I'm hoping to get some more voiceover work uh, out here in LA. I actually, (laughs) my wife is a screenwriter. And so I already know she's working on an animated show. I was like, Oh, I'll probably be on that someday. (laughs) (laughs) It Um, might be a problem if you're not right. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'll be a little hurt to be perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also like, yeah, I, I can think of like, oh, right. Like my friend Patrick just moved out here and he said, yeah, we should work on this podcast idea together. And I was like, yeah, we probably will do that. And so, yeah, probably I am going to be doing more podcasting work in the near future. But I will say I've always been a guy where like, I, I like to write, I like to do all this stuff. But for me, a lot of the fun of comedy was like, I was a, I was a big cartoon kid. Like I love like Looney Tunes and all kinds of funny cartoons. And so when you're that kind of kid, you, you do those voices a lot. Sure. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, as an adult, like you start learning to do like impressions and that kind of stuff. And so like, I love doing funny voice work. I think if I was writing for tuning out the news, I would have burned out by now, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do be a voice on tuning out the news forever. As far as I'm concerned. Sure. Uh, hoping, uh, hoping we get forever seasons on comedy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll right. Is, right. How many seasons have been on currently? There, we're in the third season right now. Okay. And, um, yeah. And you got the good lead in, obviously, the Daily Show. Not too bad. Although, you know, now it's like the host is going to be rotating for a while now that Trevor Noah is stepping down. Yep. So we're hoping we're sort of still paired with them as, as they sort of figure out who's going to be the next host. Do you think they'll they'll settle on a host? Do you think they'll rotate hosts permanently? I don't know. I mean, I I have to assume it would be easier to have a permanent host, but yeah, I guess I really don't know. Um, you know, I know a few guys who write for the Daily Show, but um, obviously they're back in New York, so I haven't seen them in a little while. Um, but yeah, I should I should check in with them and be like, how crazy is it trying to when the host changes every like three weeks? Is that annoying for you? Yeah. Is that the flagship show for Comedy Central still, or is it, or has it been? I think it might share equal billing with South Park, because South Park, South Park right? yep. is mm-hmm. another one where it's like, that show's been on for 25 years at this point, I think. Yeah, yep. And so, like, both of those shows, I guess, I guess Daily Show's also been on for about 25 years, if not more. And so, yeah, it's like, those are, I can't think of any other shows at, at Comedy Central that have been going anywhere near that long. Yeah. Right? 
Did Jim mention something with Colbert? Was did you say that, Jim? Are you working with Colbert in any? Well, so, yeah. So tuning out the news is like that's a Colbert production. Oh, okay. Um, so he is technically my boss. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's that's <cool>. Very weird. <laughs> um, did did you not, get the interview with him or anything? Or I, no, I never did. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the funny part is, I probably would met him. Would have met him at this point, except our show started during the pandemic. So like, sure. I have like I've been in Zooms with him. I have you know my boss has my boss rj has sent me messages from steven it was like hey you thought you did a really great job with this which is all very nice yeah, but yeah. i don't i don't think i've ever been in the same room as him okay okay um, if, if he saw you in the street would he say hey jeremy because i Zoom? don't think he uh, yeah okay all right <laughs> i would have to be wearing a mask of my cartoon character oh there you go yeah and yeah. then he would know and then he would <laughs> and know. doing the funny voice yeah yeah, yeah i'd also <laughs> have to be doing like hello it's steven remember it's me jonathan Keane." You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, hey, Jeremy, Jeremy Bent, thanks for being on the show. We're hearing about all the stuff you've been doing in comedy. This, uh, the show, um, tuning out the news. Tuning out the news. Mm-hmm. Third season. Joining us live from L.A. Are you in Hollywood? Are you in? Maine? I actually, I am in Hollywood. In Hollywood. Uh, all right. Uh, which I truthfully don't recommend. <laughs> I, I'm moving very soon, but you caught me when I am still in literal Hollywood. It nice. is not the best neighborhood, is it? It's not. It's really <laughs> not. Uh, but my wife and I have already signed a lease. We're leaving very soon. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks, right, again, well, thanks Jeremy. again, Jeremy. Really hey, it was my great pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we talk with prepper and survivalist Nicholas Swift Eagle. You've made it to the end of another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.